podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have an outstanding guest this week joining us all the way from Moscow, Russia. She is a former women's world champion, two-time Russian champ. She's won several team gold medals. She's also an author, been doing some announcing, a Twitch streamer, and, of course, a grandmaster, Alexandra Kostanyuk. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello, Ben. You're welcome. So you seem like quite a busy lady. I mean, obviously, we follow – this is a – uh, chess podcast for chess fans and by chess fans. So, of course, we, we all follow. Uh, you're running around from place to place. And just tonight, I understand you were at a Blitz tournament in Moscow? Well, it was just just a training Blitz tournament. I used to play these quite a lot when I was a kid. And since I'm in Moscow, I'm kind of... Uh, well, it's a nice a bit of nostalgia <laughs> to go there to this club in the middle of in the very center in the very heart of Moscow but hidden and only you know real like professionals play there and well it's it's always nice to come back it's a nice feeling but um, of course it's just part of my preparation for the upcoming world uh, rapid and beast championships that uh, that's gonna take place at the end of this month in St. Petersburg um so yeah trying so, trying to recall how to play chess well and fast at the same time <laughs> yeah it's sometimes easier to do one without the other um although i think you i think you do okay for yourself so were there any other title players that listeners might be familiar with i, I mean i know moscow has a ton of uh chess history and strong chess players not 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 tonight but no not not at all i don't think you so so how but, did the games go but I didn't do that brilliant. I mean, <laughs> I just took third place. and My husband won the tournament, and uh, we went together. And um, I lost at the very end uh, 2-0 to one probably international master, rated 2400 or something like this. And was outplayed in every, in every game of our mini-match. But uh, it's fine. I mean, it's fine, too. Just for the practice, and are you like workshopping some openings? Uh, are you just trying to get get the wheels turning faster? What's your objective when you go to a training event like this? Yeah, well, just to see how I'm doing. Yeah, because it's I was not I was not happy about how my brain functioned tonight, but and I also had some problems in the opening. So yeah, definitely I will check uh, check it out, and um, and we'll try to adjust. Uh, opening wise and also some play wise I mean it's a very useful thing uh, to go out and practice on a real chess board because um, for me playing online is definitely not the same thing when sitting in front of an opponent and playing with real chess pieces do you feel like the nerves are different or what is what is different about it I don't know. Everything is different. Perception of the board is different. Um, I don't see. I don't um, 
see the board uh, the same way. I mean, when I play a real live board, I don't see it the way I see, I see it online. So it's um, it's it's absolutely different story. If uh, you go and play a tournament, a real live tournament, than if you sit and play online, even if it's the same time control, it's 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 not the same thing. So if if I have an opportunity to go, and thankfully in Moscow there are many, many um, different chess events, and the life, the chess life is quite rich, and uh, so yeah, so I'm trying to to take advantage of it. And you mentioned you ended up playing your husband, Grandmaster Pavel Tregobov, tonight. Uh, how, is it different playing him out in public with people watching than if you guys were to play a casual blitz game at home? No, we don't play. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to be the. I had a I feeling mean, that was going to be the answer. At home we play. At home we we play and we fight, but not not in public. <laughs> right. Oh, so you do play some games at home? I mean, yes, I'm, some training games, but not not in um, in tournaments. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Um, and do you guys like? Will he trash talk? Will he talk trash if he beats you? Um, like, is he going to hold it over you? And uh, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not that kind of grandmaster. He never. He never talks. That, that's how he stays married by uh, keeping it friendly. Yeah, probably no, he's very very polite uh, and um, yeah. Good to hear, and and I'm sure you're happy that the World Blitz and Rapid, which you mentioned, will be in your in in Moscow, just proverbially down the road from you, five or six hour train not ride. Not in Moscow, not in Moscow. No, I'm sorry, in Saint Petersburg. Yeah. yeah, but definitely very happy um, that it's going to be in Russia because. Uh, well, it just I was planning to stay in Moscow till the very end of the year, uh, even before I knew about these tournaments. And when I found out that it's going to be in Russia and then in St. Petersburg, yeah, it's not that far from Moscow, then everything <laughs> everything go, goes well so far. Because last year we had other plans and we had um, a tickets bought and... We needed. We lost our tickets for Christmas, and uh, we need to go to Saudi Arabia. So it was quite a drastic change. While now, yeah, I'm here. I, I've been after Hanty Mansiska came back to Moscow, and I'm staying in Moscow. And then I go, yeah, by train to Saint Petersburg. It's just uh, well, almost four hours, three three fifty by train, and it's uh, well, I cannot imagine it, you know, in a better way. Yeah, at FIDE generally, it seems like there's there's been some positive developments of late, although I'm sure you wouldn't mind if there were a little bit more notice before the tournament in order to uh, plan for it. Well, I mean, the new president was elected, has been elected only uh, in October, right? Right. And uh, it was a very short, short uh, notice for him, and it's either to have the, this championship or not to have them at all. And of course, people, well, you know, chess players, they tend to complain. This is we true. always yes. complain <laughs> about many things and et cetera, et cetera. But if we look at the picture a little bit wider and we forget about our own small nuances and small um, plans, that I think uh, in general it's, it's a great event. Everybody loves to play. It seems that every every chess player loves to play rapid and blitz, and it's I consider it to be as a present, as a Christmas present, if you wish. So yeah, I'm very happy. I was, of course, I mean, I <laughs> I was thinking that my my uh, performance in Hantumansisk was the last one um, for this year, and I uh, I was planning to, you know, to take it easy and to have a little bit of rest in December in Moscow, but then 
somehow I need to work more, I need to uh, prepare, but nevertheless, I think it's a great uh, effort that FIDE has made um, to to have these tournaments happen. Yeah, and it's always a crowd favorite. I enjoy watching it. One thing I didn't notice is um, how do, how is it uh, formatted this year for women versus men? Do you just play in one big sep- section or are you in a women's section? No, no, it's always, there are always two sections, open section, so-called open section, because women are allowed to play and to participate uh, if they wish in uh, this section, and then women's section, separate women's section, but almost, uh, I mean, I check um, the list uh, every day, and it's, I mean, it's very strong. Only who you find is missing. The, oh, only, so. the only playing uh, is missing uh, in top, I don't know, top 50 or 20, but it's uh, only who you find. Even uh, I just noticed today even Tatiana Kasinsova is going to play after quite a break. So it's it's a nice surprise to see players coming back to the field. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be very strong. And if we compare uh, open and women sections, uh, uh, women play fewer games. We have 12 rounds in rapid compared to 15 rounds uh, in in the open section. And then in bleeds, uh, I believe we play 17 rounds. Women play 17 uh, compared to 21 in, in the open section. Okay. And you, you're cur- at, at last check uh, on the FIDE Top 100 list, you're number eight for women in the world. But you guys are so closely close together that I don't think it matters that much. But one one thing I was curious about is that for a tournament like this, do you, do you prepare stuff for specific opponents or are you just generally trying to make sure you're sharp and, you know, reasonably booked up? Well, there are many, many players and it's very hard to prepare for specific opponents. So, yeah, we kind of um, just discuss openings that I will play in general. And then, yeah, I might adjust it to to a certain player when uh, I have the pairing since I, I pl- I've i played these girls for many, many years and I know their repertoire, I know what to expect from them and I can adjust my openings accordingly. But um, usually I just prepare in general for, for, for two tournaments. Now, of the... Of the women that you mentioned that you you know so well and you've played so many times, is the, is there anyone that that you kind of look forward to playing? No, I cannot say that I look forward to playing <laughs> or I, dread I or forward, dread playing for that matter. <laughs> I look forward to the tournament and um, I always hope you know to show my best. It's it's quite a disappointment when you come to a tournament and you you just feel that you're not playing up to the level that you're capable to play. And, and uh, that's that's disappointing. But uh, if you are there, if you're showing your best and you feel that uh, you're in a fight and you're trying to... Um, to to play well and it it it's actually happening then then it's it's another tournament another story you know rapid and bliss it's such a short uh distance it's just five days for two tournaments and um it's very difficult to adjust uh, if uh something starts to go wrong so well anyway every yeah. every single pre- player that go that comes to um, that are and comes to such tournaments. They they hope for they hoping for the best, and then 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 yeah. we'll see. 
Yeah, how it goes. You never know. That's the problem with right. sport, right? You never know. You just come, you hope for the best, and then you see. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting from an outsider's perspective, because in, in preparation for this interview, I was reading some of uh, Diary of a Chess Queen, and I've seen some of your interviews. Um, and, you know, you talk a lot about the ups and downs of being a chess professional, about how, as you, as you just mentioned, there are times where you really feel like everything is clicking, and then times uh, times where things aren't going your way. But to, to, to the eyes of someone like me, it just seems like your career is like one huge success, you know? So how, how are you able to maintain perspective uh, when, when you feel like you're not playing up to your capability? Mm, it's a difficult question because actually there are some players who take it um, better than I do, if we can say so. Uh, take upsets but in, in a better way, in a more relaxed way, I don't know. And uh, for me, it's a different story. If I start a tournament badly, then it really requires a lot of energy uh, and, uh, for me to come back and, um, and uh, fight back. Uh, so it's uh, much more energy-consuming. But, yeah, in general, I cannot complain about my chess career. It's uh, In the next year, I can celebrate 30 years of playing chess because I started at the age of five. That's awesome. And, yeah, chess, well, chess has been an amazing game. Uh, and I, I, I still wonder how little I know, despite the fact that I spent most of my time playing chess and preparing for tournaments and analyzing chess and it's it's a road that never ends. So well, yeah, you speak. yeah, one tournament is nothing. Uh, in and you know when you say yeah, sometimes just the difference of one move, one single move can uh, can make uh, your tournament or can ruin it. And uh, one last game also can you can just spoil everything. Uh, or if you win it, it's a wonderful tournament. So. But yeah. So when, would you would you say that this is something that obviously every chess player struggles with, and I'm sure that it doesn't get easier as you get better because the stakes get higher and the number of people um, watching gets larger. But do you feel like so you're you feel like you're naturally not predisposed to being um, being great at dealing with the ups and downs? But do you feel like you've gotten better over the years, or is it still just as devastating to have a tough loss as it was, you know, when you were a teenager? Well, it definitely got better. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. As years go by, I take it easier. Uh, and I understand, uh, well, I try to take it easier at least. And um, yeah, when I'm just happy that um, despite the fact that I have many years behind me and I have, I've, uh, I've been having a nice chess career. I'm still there. I'm still in the top 10 and I'm still fighting and showing great results. And more I go forward, um, I appreciate good results more than uh, it's, it was, let's say, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. When you are young, you know, you, you think that the king of the world you, right. you should win everything and you if you win you just uh, well you didn't expect it to go the other way and when you lose then yeah it's a disaster but right. when time goes by you're um you're changing a bit 
and uh, your perception of life changes a bit and you understand that first of all you need to learn how to appreciate success and how to uh, care about every win but also take losses a bit easier and in a different way that life never ends there when when chess clock um, when the game is over yeah that's um wise words it's uh yeah it's never simple but uh but yeah i mean if it's just making you upset then it's not it's not worth doing um you you said something interesting in your interview with Tanya Tanya Saktia, uh from Gibraltar last year. You said that you don't consider yourself a chess talent. Yeah, I've never I have never really. Well, I've I don't know. I I was told since I I was quite young that um, <laughs> I cannot become a good chess player. I think the only person who believed in me since uh, since the very beginning was my father. And uh, other chess experts that we met, and my father asked to help me. I mean, great chess grandmasters. They were very, I don't know, I've never heard a good word about my chess <laughs> understanding or chess uh, ability. Somehow, probably that uh, influenced me in uh, this belief that uh, I don't really have uh, chess talent. I to have uh, other talent. That's that's actually another very interesting thing about chess, that uh, people that play and that succeed in chess, they are very different. Of course, there is certain logic that every uh, chess player follows, but um, the algorithm that we use, it's different. I mean, maybe like top uh, five or top ten players, they have uh, approximately same algorithm of finding uh, the best move. But for the rest, um, how we win a game, it's uh, always different. Um, that's what, uh, what makes chess so much appreciated. I think that uh, every, even if you don't have the same approach as uh, most of the of the strongest grandmaster do, you're still capable of showing of, to show a good result. And, um, and that's what I like in chess. Hmm. And how is your form right now? How do you feel like you do you feel like you're like near the peak of your chess abilities or not playing as well as you used to? Um, I mean, and this can be whether we're just talking about like the recent Women's World Championship or like sort of a broader perspective of the last year or two. Well, I'm, I think that, you know, the direction is the right one. I'm going up uh, a little bit. Uh, maybe um, not that much, but still, I'm still quite young. I, I still have uh, a lot of energy uh, to work on chess and to be able and be capable of playing a long chess tournament from the start to, to the end. Um, so I like the direction. I know that if I need to, if I can say, and if I make... Um, a lot of efforts and I dedicate myself entirely to, to chess and to chess only, I'm capable to uh, to to go even um, further up if we may so. So, no, I'm enjoying the world. I'm and, enjoying and you're the still fine. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I think uh, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. Of course, since I'm perfectionist, I always think that, okay, I wish I could work a bit more. Uh, there are more things that can be done 
in terms of my chess progress and chess career, but uh, I think in terms of finding this golden middle, finding this um, balance between my professional life and uh, private life, I'm doing okay because it's uh, I'm still capable to be a mom once right. in a while, <laughs> and uh, and I'm still capable to enjoy life and to have other projects. Uh, and at the same time, I'm as I uh, already mentioned, I'm in I've been in the top ten for qu- quite a few years now, and uh, my rating goes up. Okay, now I'm a bit I I, I lost a bit. Uh, from my record rating, but I think I showed my uh, record rating this year. So, so it's a good it's a good thing that it means that uh, that something is happening and uh, uh, there's more to be done. If I wished, Alexandra, we're just going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. I'm excited to announce that this week's episode of Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by. Chessable. If you're a regular listener to Perpetual Chess, you probably heard me and our esteemed guests extol the virtues of Chessable even when they were not our sponsors. Chessable uses learning science to help you improve your chess as efficiently as possible. It's a great way to remember more ideas faster, even for a middle-aged dad like me. What's more, they're an open platform where anyone can publish their courses. I'm talking to you, chess teachers and coaches. And they paid out hundreds of thousands of dollars in commissions to their partner authors. They have big plans for 2019, so if you're a student, author, or coach, be sure to check out Chessable.com. Well, Alexandra, our listeners always do want to know what they can do to, to get better at chess, to get to their record rating. So uh, what, what general advice do you give? I'm sure you get asked variants of this question all the time, but uh, what, what do you think the most effective ways to improve at chess are? Well, first of all, what I say to my students or to people who I'm trying to help, that you need to study chess I mean, regularly. Consistency is the key to success. Uh, it's better to study 10, 15, to dedicate 10, 15 minutes per day to chess, than, but every day, every single day, than two hours uh, a week. So um, it's it's interesting in in the modern world. Uh, it's at one hand you have a possibility to study chess from home. You have this amazing um, uh, programs and sites where you can find instructional videos and where you can um, solve as many chess problems as you like or find. A different end game positions to play with a computer or a friend, etc., etc., and so many books are being printed. But at the same time, it's <laughs> it's even more challenging with such a huge uh, amount of information right. to understand in what direction actually you need to go. So, of course, you need someone to guide you. It's uh, I think it will make your road to a higher rating a bit easier. Yes, you need to study chess yourself. For that, I mean, you 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 have all your, all the tactical exercises you need to find, and you you can solve uh, hundreds uh, chess tactics a day and uh, read uh, wonderful chess books. But uh, at the same time, uh, I think if you have a trainer or uh, 
someone, a mentor that will guide you through this ocean of chess theory, it will make your life easier. That makes sense. And I know that in your book, you mentioned several study methods that you're particularly fond of. I know at the time you were doing a lot of blindfold studies. Are those still a, a big part of your training regimen? Well, unfortunately, I, got, <clears throat> I, I haven't, haven't um, paid enough attention to this part of training recently, but uh, I still think that it's quite essential uh, to, to dedicate some certain time for blindfold exercises. And what about uh, playing blitz as training? Does do you think that that um, does that count? Well, it certainly does. But uh, again, everything needs to be done with some purpose, right? If right. you play blitz, yeah, it's good to play a few games per day because practice is a very important part of um, chess. You cannot only study an opening and then. Uh, then know it by heart without playing. So you really need to find a partner to train and to play. But uh, you need to limit this number of games and you need to go over and analyze them. So if it cannot be only blitz. Yeah, this is uh, advice that a lot of strong players have given here. But I always want to, I don't want to... Um, I think it's instructive to hear that strong players give the same advice over and over again. So even though I sort of expected that you weren't going to say, oh, just play blitz, don't study, you know, everything, everything will be fine. I think it's still important for listeners to hear that obviously the, the more work you put in, the, mo the more benefit you're likely to get. Um, I have a question from a listener for you, Alexandra, a supporter of the podcast, Kelly Palmer, uh, asks... He says, I've purchased a half dozen chess books over the past two years. My question is, how do I get the most out of them? Going over the <laughs> games on my chessboard isn't really getting me anywhere. I don't see where the players are going until they get there. And then, of course, I see the brilliancy. But I'm not improving in my visualization. Um, it's like watching grandmasters play. It's fun to watch, but I'm not really improving. What am I doing wrong when I'm studying books? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That yeah. all those chess books, you, you buy them and you wish <laughs> it, it can help, but it doesn't really work yeah. this way. Not automatic, Somehow, at least. Yeah. Not automatic. But um, there is, uh, I think you can try. Uh, if you take a book of uh, very well annotated games, you that you've already studied and uh, looked through the games on the board, try to look uh, through them blindfolded. Try to go over this book in your head and play all the games. Uh, try to imagine them in your head. That might might help. But again, uh, these books. And I guess if if you're a lower rated player, say that I'm, I actually don't know Kelly Palmer's uh, approximate level, but let's say that you're, you know, maybe 1500 level, something like that. And blindfold is a, a serious challenge. Uh, even, is, it's a serious challenge even for me. So <laughs> don't, don't get upset. Okay. Try to uh, take one game and try to learn it by heart uh, blindfolded. Okay, so maybe he maybe he would need different material, you know, I, I'm guessing. Like, probably shorter games if you're going to try to study blindfold. If you're Maybe like, with less lines and less variations, and yeah. that's why uh, I always suggest to, uh, well, less experienced players, n not to start, for example, with great chess books by Kasparov, which uh -huh. are amazing, but they're, like, over 
I mean, too many lines and too many variations that you don't really need. But rather go to good old classic chess books by Capablanca, for example. I don't know what books uh, have been published in English, though, uh, because uh, I, I've enjoyed um, a book of uh, Smyslov very much, but again, it's in Russian. And because there are not so many uh, variations and uh, computerized lines, and you don't really need, you need words of explanation, you need to uh, read and see why a chess champion made this particular move, where he, what he was thinking and where he was, where his pieces were heading to, so it's it's not that easy to find such books, but actually one of the latest books, oh, well, Gelfand books are amazing, mm-hmm. I think, in these terms. Uh, his um, book on positional chess is just a must read because it's it's exactly what you need. You don't need uh, very beautiful and long uh, lines offered by computer, right? You really need to uh, to see and hear a grandmaster's point of view. And uh, yeah, Gelfand's book, uh, I, I've enjoyed them a lot. And these are the books that you can read with and without boards, uh, uh, without a chessboard and uh, hopefully you will make progress. Okay, that is excellent advice. Thank you. And one more question from a listener, um, which you again, you touch on this topic in in your book, but it's been a while since you've written it. So I don't know if there's an update. Um, but uh, Daniel Gell asks, what physical exercise benefited your chess play as chess can be exhausting and it's those fatigue moments when your performance matters the most? I've heard of recommendations like yoga, but I'm thinking about something low-key like push-ups or running. Uh, what do you think, Alexandra? Well, first, uh, I, I've completed a full marathon. That's uh, how I started to work on That's on amazing, my... yeah. Yes, it's uh, it's been two and a half years, I think, in 2016 in Paris. Uh, I completed a full Paris marathon. And that started actually in 2013. I've always paid a lot of attention to my physical training because um, I'm a kind of a player that uh, requires to, to, to perform well. I need a lot of energy. And uh, as soon as my energy level goes down, my level drops of chest drops dramatically. So in order to perform well, I really need to be in a good physical shape and uh, in great conditions. So that's why I've always paid a lot of attention to um, physical training. But at some point I realized that my regular, like let's say 15 to 20 minutes jogging is definitely not enough. And I'm collapsing uh, closer to the end of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And in 2013, I decided to pay even more attention to my physical training and dedicate more time to it. So I increased the time, the amount of time from 15-20 minutes per day to 30-45 minutes per day. So from, let's say, 3 to 5 kilometers to 5 to 7 kilometers per day. And... Um, Yoga, well, it's definitely not my thing, but um, I do recommend it anyway, and I do go sometimes even I don't enjoy and I don't like it. <laughs> I but, feel the same you know, way. No pain, no gain. Yeah. And I still think, okay, yoga is 
a bit when we talk about yoga nowadays uh, usually we uh, we mean stretching classes because uh, I think stretching is a very useful thing and uh, well if we uh, talk about yoga then breathing is also quite important right, right. and uh, actually I do go to yoga classes although I suffer there but um, I think it's quite important to stretch well and to learn how to breathe well and uh, to learn how to relax uh, through your breathing and um, uh, try to learn how to focus because what I've been noticing, I started to notice also recently that uh, my level of Focus is dropping uh, tremendously. I've always been uh, very good uh, in uh, showing, in playing well at the very last minute or seconds of the game. Uh, whether we talk about blitz or classical games or say it not, I've I've been <laughs> quite uh, good in it. And and in the last um, tournaments, I've noticed that uh, I start to. To perform on a, I don't know, I don't enjoy my level there. So probably that's a question of losing focus and concentration. And uh, yoga also can help with it. But at the same time, I think uh, only yoga is not enough. If you are more than 30 years old, you definitely need more physical activities like running or swimming. Swimming is the best if you can afford it, but it's more complicated to find a swimming pool. Uh, okay, all, all other exercises such as push-ups and do your core exercises, of course, is a must, starting from 30 uh, on. Okay, well, that's some excellent advice. Um, I, I want to hit a couple more topics, if you don't mind, Alexandra. I know it's late over there in Moscow, so I re- okay. really appreciate uh, your taking the time. Uh, one thing is, as we record this, the news broke yesterday that there's going to be a uh, women's only invitational tournament in St. Louis called the Karen's Cup. I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah, uh, I've heard. I got an email from the organizers already. Oh, good. So, do you know yeah. if you were you? Do you know if you'll be playing? Well, I I still I'm still waiting for an official invitation because I've just received uh, you know an informational email saying that there are plans to organize uh, such tournament in February. And, uh, yeah, I do plan to play if there is such a tournament, because, first of all, I enjoy coming to St. Louis. And uh, I actually I haven't planned to be in the U.S. in the first half of the year, but this tournament definitely will change my plans. And, uh, again, we should be flexible. You know, it's, right, um, yeah. it's a plus and a minus of a chess profession. Uh, you really need to adjust to different uh, tournaments that pop up suddenly and uh, you need to be able to travel far and be away from your family for quite a few uh, some time but um, again at least we don't go to office every single day and we don't wake up in the morning with the thought of again how how should i hold on till 6 p.m you've got (laughs) you've got good perspective on the working life for someone who's always been a chess professional well, I, I, I think, I mean, I'm quite happy about my life and about my uh, profession and chess career, and I understand uh, that uh, actually it's a very, 
it's it's not that easy to find a profession that allows uh, you to be to to be a boss of your life if you if you yeah. wish. I mean, you are. It's up to you to decide when to train, with whom to train, where to go to play, and uh, actually, that's amazing. And uh, I think uh, not all chess players even realize how fortunate they are to to lead such uh, such lives. Yeah, and and I know you describe in your book. I mean, you you mentioned that your family did not have a lot of money, and you tell a story about. Um, needing needing to basically play chess for money in order to get, um, I think I can't remember which vehicle, but bus or train fare in order to get home from from France. So uh, mm-hmm. I guess that that that's probably informed your perspective as as uh, as you've come up and established yourself now with a, a what I would assume is um, a respected and fairly healthy living. Well, uh, since now I look. Um, uh, I uh, look at uh, how to say the life of uh, as a mom. Uh, mm-hmm. I always think about. Uh, I often uh, think about education and what is the best way to educate children and uh, to make them happy in the future in their life. And I came to a conclusion recently that actually, the less you have in your childhood the better your life be in the in in, in future hmm. because nowadays children they're spoiled i mean they have everything they have tons of toys and uh, uh, they eating hundreds of candies every day and etc etc <laughs> yes. et they're kind of spoiled and if you grow up having only one toy and one candy per year uh, somehow I think this approach that that's how the kids should be brought up for because then then it will be um easier for them to appreciate things and um, well yeah, since that... i since I didn't have a lot in my childhood um, i I learned how to you know to value all all whatever life gives to me and so how do you teach that to your daughter since she's not growing up in the same i came to this conclusion (laughs) after after she was 10 years old or so 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 probably from my number two or three if uh uh, if that will happen one day (laughs) i can adjust accordingly but because uh no my first uh, my daughter is She's absolutely spoiled. <laughs> she definitely doesn't uh, know how to value and appreciate uh, things she has because, well, been part of her life and and uh, yeah. That's, but what can you do? That's funny. You yeah. She you seemed should. to be. I saw one of your Twitch videos where she was uh, yes. photobombing you. She yes. she seemed to be enjoying herself. Yes, she she <laughs> she definitely does. Does, does she play any chess? Oh, she keeps saying, "Mommy, I hate chess." So no, she doesn't play <laughs> okay. chess. I mean, she knows the rules, right? But, um, I don't know. Probably I push her to uh, to to hard at the beginning, and uh, probably um, put her in chess tournaments too early. But somehow she she's never enjoyed it, and uh, I don't see the point to force yeah. her yeah, play more. Sure. Um, so. What did you think about the changes in the the Women's World Championship coming up? Um, it's going to be an eight-player double round robin. 
uh, as you as you well know. But <laughs> just to inform listeners, yes. Well, I, I I've uh, answered this question several times already. What I'm saying that uh, I think the men's system and women's system, men's and women's formats, they should be the same, similar to each other. Uh, whether to have to have um, I don't like the system where there is a world championship match at the end. I think it's too long. It gives too much uh, privilege to a current world champion. But that's another story. Uh, since what FIDE has done uh, in the last month to adjust women's cycle to men's cycle, I think is the right uh, step uh, to take. Uh, but then, I mean... You can dis- discuss different formats and uh, different uh, options, uh, but what I I I I can al- also agree with the current um, world champion Magnus Carlsen, who said that you know he is ready to play in every single format. Yeah, yeah, I'm on that side what, too. Doesn't matter what the format is. There there will always be people who are against some. Uh, against a match or against a candidate tournament or against a knockout event. There will always be uh, people who are for it and against. But if you want to prove that you're you're the best, you just go and play. And that's actually one more thing that I appreciate in chess. There are many (laughs) that I appreciate in chess, but it's also another uh, point that, you know, words they don't matter what matters moves are matter and then if you want to prove something you go you sit at the board you go and play and that's it yeah no judges yeah 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 it's uh it is a beautiful thing about chess and yeah that uh, magnus was just talking about that recently in an interview with uh, jan gustafsson on chess 24 so again it's something where i think a lot of listeners will have probably caught wind of it but just in case you haven't you should check it out so do what do you think would happen if Magnus in 2020 were to say, uh, I'm only going to play the world championship under these conditions? Do you think those conditions would be met or could, could there potentially be like a vacant world championship or uh, I, what do you think? In 2020, he will offer some other conditions. Yeah, I'm, because in this interview, he mentioned, as you were just saying, he's also a proponent of uh, the, the champion playing all forms of ch- uh, chess, uh, mm-hmm. both classical and rapid and possibly blitz. So but what if so if he being the current champion demanded that said, I'm only going to play if it includes rapid. Uh, do you think that those demands would be met? No, I have no idea, actually. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I mean, for, for the moment... He's the current world champion. For the moment, he's planning to come to St. Petersburg, and he wants to win a triple yeah. uh, crown, which is uh, amazing. And uh, same goes to Juvin Jun, actually, that she's the current uh, women's world champion. She's the very first world champion who uh, defended her uh, world champion title being a world champion from in knockout. It's the very first time that the current world champion defended her title in a knockout event. So it's quite an achievement already. And she goes um, to St. Petersburg as well. And will try to win one more crown. Not because she's also a current uh, women's world rapid champion. Mm-hmm. She already has two crowns. So we'll see. 
It's, uh, I think, again, I'm uh, a supporter of those who prove their actions, uh, their words by actions, who, if they want to prove something, they go and play and show good results. And don't try to negotiate and um, with uh, different formats or feed or create some some stories. They just go and play, and yeah. that's uh, I think that's how world champions should behave. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and the world, as you say, is so divided now that yeah, uh, and uh, we can't let perfect be the enemy of good, basically. Um, so a couple more questions, if if you don't mind. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So you went to high school with, like, how many grandmasters now? Grisha, Potkin, Dobrov? Uh, <laughs> like, what was it well, like? It was not a high school. It's, ah, it was okay. like a college. Right? Ah, in okay. the U.S. it's called college. In Russia it's university. Yes, it was after high school. Okay. Yeah. That makes a little more sense. But still, I mean, <laughs> that must have been uh, some intense training sessions. Well, for me, it was a bit different because the first year we studied together. Yeah, it was an amazing year for this university. I think the strongest ever uh, chess uh, uh, year uh, was Grishu, Kemi, uh, Dobrov, uh, Potkin, Khrushchev. He is also a grandmaster now. So, and um, but then after the first year, I went to a special. Um, section of this university for elite uh, athletes only and um, I didn't have an opportunity to continue working and playing with the same the same guys but nevertheless yeah it was an amazing amazing um, chess year um, and um, did you guys like was there like formal infrastructure for training for you guys or was it just uh, getting your work done sort of thing? Well, we had a special chess faculty mm-hmm. that um, actually uh, invited all of us to study in this. Uh, it's, it was called Russian State Academy of Physical Education at that time. Now it's Russian State University of Physical Education. But nevertheless, a part of chess, we studied also different subjects such as anatomy, uh, history of sport, uh, sport management, and everything that can be useful for sport persons. Um, and just uh, two more topics, I think. One, I, I, I see that you've been, uh, you've been getting into Twitch streaming, doing it, some in English, some in Russian. You're doing some announcing. How are you enjoying being um, sort of a an increased media presence. I mean, you're, you're always accessible, but you're behind the mic a little more. How, how are you enjoying that work? Yeah, actually, it, <clears throat> I enjoyed it very much. It, thanks to the uh, sidechess.com who invited me to become a streamer in their um, program, streamers program. And since April, I've been <laughs> discovering for myself this new, uh, new world for yeah. me. A streamer's world, and uh, well, I'm still quite a newbie, and um, okay, uh, I know how to start a stream, but that's that's basically it. I have my camera and my mic with me, traveling with me to all those chess tournaments, but um, actually, um, 
yeah, I've been away from this uh, big internet world for a while because, uh, for example, YouTube, my YouTube channel, I created a long time ago, and then it's been almost five years of absence, right. and now I'm rediscovering it and learning all those new things about uh, uh, live streams, and yeah, I, I think it's amazing. <laughs> I do enjoy uh, doing streams a lot. Uh, from January, I, s- I think I w- I'm going to restart again, doing it on a regular basis. And mm, well, well, well it gives me a peace of mind, I must say, because uh, I understand that my chess, the biggest part of my chess career, is still is already behind me. And uh, I always wonder what uh, I'm going to do if I uh, decide to stop playing chess professionally one day. And for some reason, this this streaming, it it gave me uh, a peace of mind because suddenly I realized that, yeah, I'm I'm able to to work uh, from home even, even and to still be connected to chess world and to talk about chess. And somehow I've been very happy about this experience uh, so far that's great to hear although as a chess fan i hope you're not quitting anytime soon well you never know know? (laughs) i know you mentioned in your book there have been times you've thought about it um in the past which again uh, all chess players can understand but as chess fans we still we want to see the best players play (laughs) well see there's there's gonna be more more best chess players i mean there are younger players that are coming and that's i think a normal circle of life so yes, I, I I plan to hang in hang, hang on there for for a while, but if the results will not will start dissatisfy me, and if I will understand that uh, I don't have enough energy and power to continue working and playing on a high level, that who knows? Yeah, that makes sense, and I'm sure the travel can get exhausting as well. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so last question, Alexandra. Um, I don't know what your experience was like as a, a girl coming up in the chess world, now a woman, but when when you do meet talented young uh, girl or young woman chess players, um, what advice do you give them for, for sticking with it and for, for making their way in, in what historically has been... Um, has had more men than women, but you know, hopefully that will continue to to change over time. But but, what advice do you give to to girls who develop a passion for chess? You know, it, when I was starting playing chess, it was different. And yes, there were almost no girls, mostly boys. And to any chess club I went, uh, I played. Well, there were like 10, 10, 10 boys and me, and. Uh, but I always enjoyed this world, and uh, I never really imagined it in a different way. Only when I became a mom, and I was starting to look at my daughter and to try to put her in different uh, um, sections, sports section, she refused to go and play where there were only only boys, or most most of the uh, kids were boys. She 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 refused to go there. And only at that point I realized that it might be an issue for girls if they come to a chess club and see boys only playing. 
okay, it's it's there's been a change since I started, and when you go now to kids tournaments, uh, the ratio is approximately sixty to forty mm. boys to girls, so it's not that bad, especially at the very beginning. Uh, the age of from from the age let's say six to twelve, the ratio is really it's very close. Have you found that to be the case globally or in Russia in particular? Or, or... I think well, it's it's globally. Maybe in Russia it's uh, like sixty to forty. Maybe in US it should be approximately the same at the very beginning. Maybe seventy to thirty. Yeah, but I would, still, I would go more like some... and, Yeah, in in other countries it may it, it may be even less, uh, 80 to 20 and uh, so on. But uh, there are girls-only tournaments. And um, if a girl is already in this world, if she starts to like playing chess, if she starts to enjoy it, it, then she... you know, I'm talking now like a mom. It's uh, not <laughs> not only a, a chess player. As I mentioned, I've always enjoyed this world. I I didn't care that there were many boys and uh, mostly boys, and I never felt uncomfortable. So I never needed an advice, you know, to stay and or to play or try to understand what what am I fighting for. But for other girls, I understand it might be an issue. And other girls tend to look for different things. And that's why the, the most challenging age for a girl to stay in the chess world, to continue her chess career, is the teenage. Uh, yeah, it's true. From the age of 13 to, let's say, 17 and 18. And I think that's the point we see a dramatic uh, drop of girls quitting chess, forgetting about it, and, um, well, just... Stop, stop enjoying it and uh, it just what what advice should it, it's 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 difficult to give an advice because it's a different world where the world where you you should fight you should be able to enjoy certain things and but i believe as long as you enjoy chess just be realistic don't um, set up your goals too high as long as you enjoy chess, just continue and play in small tournaments and online tournaments. You don't have to, you know, to become a grandmaster uh, or to a world champion. You can still be a part of this chess world somehow. And uh, you never know how you, uh, in, in your life, chess, it's like knowing a language. Mm-hmm. Uh, different language. You never know uh, at what point it will become useful, but it may may help you in your college, um, in uh, in your life uh, further on. So, just I would say that the first thing is uh, to enjoy uh, chess, uh, and second, set up realistic goals, and just. Understand that the road is far more important than uh, a single result. You don't play chess uh, just to win or not to lose uh, one game. You play chess to become better in uh, to to keep you motivated. I mean, there are beautiful things about chess that that 
any girl can do and also look at the we should we should look at uh, chess at such per- per- perspective that the sex the age it they don't matter a lot you can come you have the board chess pieces and you can beat anyone so that's that what makes chess such an interesting and exciting game well said <laughs> um i i yeah i think that's a good note to leave it on thank alexandra this has been great i really appreciate your taking the time i know that you're like insanely busy so so it means a lot and i'm sure uh, our listeners will really enjoy hearing from you and um we we wish you the best in St. Petersburg and beyond, uh, jet setting and uh, competing against these other monsters of the chess world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Yeah, hopefully I I was able to to open up this chess world a bit to a bit more today for those who are listening. And uh, sometimes my English, I'm not happy about my English at all because there are certain things that I wish to be able to explain but uh, feel that I don't really uh, have the power to explain using the, my English. But anyway, hopefully well, uh, hopefully English, you got something. <laughs> no, you your your English sounds great to me. I mean, I'm sure I, I can understand that feeling, but but uh, you, you communicated many inspiring and... Uh, good idea so no no need to apologize your okay. your english is a yeah. lot better than my russian let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah well yes <laughs> <laughs> and i did i, ta- I so. did take russian too but but uh and lived in st petersburg but uh, but uh anyway um but thanks anyway, a lot I hope, yeah that the listeners enjoyed and um yes the most important thing is just enjoy chess and Excellent. life in general so well said Yes, well, thank you and good luck. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. That includes my esteemed producer, Matthew Passy, Geert Vandervelt for supplying the intro music, and Chessable.com for their generous financial support. I also want to thank everyone who helps support the show in little ways. That can be telling a friend about the show, writing something positive about it on social media, or writing a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or another podcast platform. Apparently that stuff really matters. I also want to give special thanks to my PayPal and Patreon Perpetual Partners. As you guys know, I put a lot of time into this show, a lot of research, promotion, actual booking of interviews, doing the interviews. I love the work, but it wouldn't be possible without the generous financial support of the following people. Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com Adam Vrancourge Adrian Gutierrez Alex Pejas Ali Morchetti Brian Mullis I am Carlos Pardomo of ChessAtlanta.com Bill Moran Chad Hilton Chad Oliver Chris Balcom Chris Flanagan Chris Wainscott Christopher Chabri Christopher Wood I am Christoph Zalecki aka Chess Explained Coach Jay's Chess Academy Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer, Daniel Viney, David Cramley, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith. I am elect Donnie Ariel, Frank Tortoris, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Randervelt. I am Greg Shahadi, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Agard of Quality Chess Publishing, James Bonastia, Jason Woolham, Jeff Anderson, Jennifer Valens of OffTheRook.com. Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Hartman, John Jernigan, Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, WGM Katerina Nemsova, K. 
Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Kabbalah Krishnan, Laura Belyavsky, Leo Delgado, Lorraine Dore, Lucia Silva, Matthew Passi, Macaulay Peterson, Martin Habish, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, my main man Moonmaster9000, Nate Solin, Nathan Webster, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passi Passanin, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchak of DiplomatChess.com, Robert Steiner, Ryan Berg, Ryan Stone, Steiner Lima, Stuart Katz, uh, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Thomas Stonix, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrinkulj, FM Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and Jivko Stoyanov. Thanks, as always, everyone. I will catch you guys soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.